How's everyone doing this morning? Amen. Anybody happy to be in the house of the Lord? Can anybody feel what we felt? We all felt what Armando was talking about this morning? That's the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm going to be talking about that a little bit, about this new season. I don't remember the last time we were, when we worshiped quite like this, and I really believe that is a fruit of what God is doing in this time. So we're going to get into that in just a minute. First of all, I want to welcome any first-time guests with us in the house. Any first-time guests in person? We've got one right over here, some over there. Let's give our guests a round of applause. We're so thankful that you're here. There's a place for everyone at Kingdom, and we're going to make sure you find that place. Also, everyone online, welcome. As Armand, I don't know if Armando said it. He's going to say it at the end. He always says it, and I love this. I love this for him. We want you to come in person. We know... I had a cousin post yesterday, she said, you know, now that like the winter storm, and I, and I said that earlier, we're going to just refer to this last week as the storm, because I'm going to mention some things in my sermon this morning, and it's just going to be the storm from now on. And she said, now that, the winter's, now that the storm really kept everyone indoors, maybe it's okay for us to stop wearing masks. I think it really flattened the curve. How many of you are ready to get rid of the masks? I'm, I am ready. And so, um, come in person. That was originally what I wanted to say. Come in person. Let's join together. Let's trust the Lord that he is protecting us and he is watching over us. Let's continue to, uh, you know, be safe. Wash your hands. I, uh, this is something I, I really believe. This is, uh, has nothing, it's not anything, well, I guess it is kind of spiritual, but nothing to do with the sermon. Wash your hands. <laughs> I've heard, I've seen people walk out of the bathroom without, it is spiritual. Cleanliness is next to godliness somewhere in the Bible. Um, wash your hands. Let's just leave it at that. This past weekend, we had an event called the Exo Simulcast. It is a marriage event that we have hosted the last three years. How many of y'all got to attend that? I just want to say I'm so proud of Kingdom, of you guys for attending and pouring into your marriage. This was a very different simulcast. I know many of us have been to marriage conferences, but I believe that the Lord spoke. I, I was talking to some friends of mine, and they say, you know, I've, I've heard all these things, but the Lord something very, spoke something very specific to me in my marriage. And so I just want to um, in, uh, just commend you guys for showing up and pouring into your marriage. Continue to do that. Your marriage is the most important thing that you have. It's the most important. And when I say that, I, I mean every word in that phrase. It is the most important thing you possess. Your marriage is more important than your kids, more important than your job, more important than anything, because it's the relationship that God created that, that, uh, that represents our relationship with Him. Remember, we're the bride of Christ. We all know that, right? Where, where do we get husband and, bride and wife from, um, groom and bride from? From that relationship between God and us. It is the most important relationship. So we need to steward it well. I, I had this thought this morning. You know why it's so important? It's because when the world looks at your marriage, they're looking at God. And you're painting a picture for them of what God looks like. Really, really. This is why it's so important because the world will either praise Jesus because of how healthy your marriage is or they'll reject him because of how ugly he looks. That's a different message. I didn't mean to get into that. But this is the importance of marriage is extremely important. And also to all you singles, you're married because you're married to Jesus. I had a big burden for the exosomocast this past weekend for singles because I know a lot of people who are single or their spouse is not saved, don't want to come. You are married to Jesus. Did you know you're going to be married to Jesus forever? 
And that marriage is more real than the marriage you have on earth. And so be encouraged. Really, if you're single, really talk to the Lord. I used to really struggle going to these events because I've been divorced and been single a long time. But now, like, I have this just joy when I see other married couples because I share in this marriage experience the same way that earthly people, people on earth have an earthly marriage because our marriage with him is real. I want to thank our staff for, for setting up and tearing down. We spent hours and hours and hours last week. And so I just want to thank Miss Angie, Miss Debbie, Roxanne, Sandra, Elsa, um, Mark and John, Caitlin, and I know there's others that volunteered before and after. You guys made it happen. So I just want to thank you guys. Let's give our, our staff a round of applause for, for that. Another announcement is small groups kick off this week. I don't want to spend a lot of time because the message is really important this morning. I want to, I want to really take the time to go through the verses and, and some of these points. But our small groups kick off this week. I'll say this. I said this in the first service. A biblical church looks more like a small group than it does what we see on a Sunday morning. I say it again. A biblical church. Look at the church in the Bible. We want to, we want to live like people in the Bible, right? We gotta, that's our, our reference point. People who went to church in the Bible actually went to small groups. They met in homes, house to house. They fed one another. They, they sang. They, uh, they read the word. They, they practiced, the Bible says, the apostles' doctrine. They met in, from house to house, and they met daily. And so this is what a small group is. And I would say if you're not going to a small group, you're missing out on half of what more than half of what a biblical church is supposed to look like. So please get connected, get involved. Go to Kingdom Odessa, you can sign up online. And um, have patience with us. We're, we've kind of changed a lot of things around with, with groups and leaders, and we need more leaders. So just have patient with, uh, patience with us. But I promise you, you'll be put in a group where you can thrive. So today is a very important day. It's a really important day. It's my birthday. No, I'm just kidding. It's not my birthday. <laughs> This is the day that we are t- going to be sharing our word for the year. Now, I've been trying to give this message for like two weeks. Last week, the storm hit, and so we had to stay home, and we uh, taught a message on marriage. The week before, we finished our series, and we talked about following Jesus. And in following Jesus, I was going to give the word for the year, but I really felt like we needed to wait and have a dedicated service to talk about this word for the year. I also believe that it's not an accident that we're sharing it today because many of us finished a 40-day fast this past Friday. How many of y'all were in a 40-day fast? We had a 21-day fast, but then we also continued 40 days. I really think that um, it was important for us to finish that fast, to finish the season of preparation so that we can go into this new season. At the, so since the beginning of kingdom, we have always shared a word for the year. And basically, what is, what, when I say word for the year, what does it mean? What do I mean? How many of y'all know that we have many different seasons? There are many different seasons in life. There are mountaintop seasons. There are valley seasons. There are seasons that we love. There are seasons that we don't love, seasons that we hate. But there are many seasons. How many of you know that God wants to speak to you? This is a biblical uh, this is a biblical teaching that God wants to speak to you about the season you're about to enter into. How many of you know would like to know that you're going to uh, that you're going to enter a valley season before you go into it, so that you can prepare? Now, some of y'all that would freak you out and you'd probably reject it and say, "No, that's not from the Lord." But the Lord does lead us through valley seasons, hard seasons, and some of us are mad at God, but we need to understand that God leads us into these seasons. Psalm 23: Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
Some of us think that we find ourselves there, or the devil takes us there, but the first verse says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, and as our shepherd, he leads us all through those verses, so one of the places is, is the valley. We have to learn to trust him. It doesn't matter what season that we're in, he's going to lead us. And so um, how many want to know of the season that we're entering into? Okay. There are, many, there are many examples of this in the Bible, just one of them. Remember Joseph? He was a favorite son of, of, um, of Jacob, and he was sold into slavery. Remember, his brother sold him in, and then he found himself as a servant in Pharaoh's, in Pharaoh's courts. Remember, Pharaoh had a dream. He didn't know the interpretation to the dream, so he looked for somebody to interpret the dream. And Jacob says, hey, I can interpret dreams. The dream was this. For seven years, Egypt was going to experience a harvest like, like, like they never experienced before. And then after the seven years were over, they were going to experience a famine like they've never experienced before. You remember the story? Anybody ring a bell? If, the, if the, what the Lord was wanting to do is to speak to Pharaoh to prepare them for the good season so they could store up all the extra grain and then go into the bad season. Again, how many would like to know that you're going to enter a bad season before you go into it so that you can prepare? This, and I can tell you more stories in the Bible, but this is a biblical thing to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me as we go in? And so every year we have prayed this. In 2019, the very first, year, the first January of our, of our church's history, the Lord spoke to us identity. And as we went through the year, we, we learned that God has not called us just to anything. This is our vision, to know Jesus, hear his voice, and follow him. There are many church things we can do. There are a lot of churches that do a bunch of different things, but we are called to one thing. And so as we have grown, um, we have seen this, we've seen this vision play out in our lives. The next year in 2020, the word that God gave us was build. And I said, build? I'm like, Lord, really build? We're a new church. Of course we're building. Like, of course, I mean, it's like, duh, we are building. The Lord said this, he says, you're going to build in places where you think nothing can be built and you're going to plant things where you think nothing can be planted. And I thought, okay, okay. Two months later, March, 2020, what happened? COVID hit. COVID didn't just shut down the United States. COVID shut down the world. And I've said this several times. I know of two churches that shut down their doors, shut the doors for good in 2020. Not only did we not shut down, but we were, but God blessed us financially. Not only were we able to buy everything we needed to go online. These cameras are really expensive. All the infrastructure is expensive. Not only were we able to buy all these things, but we gave away over $100,000 last year. I've said that before, and I, I was like, how can I communicate this to show, tell you how big of a deal this is? We gave away $100,000. To me, it's the same as a million dollars. Like, honestly, to me, it's the same thing. 100,000, 200, it's the same. We were in the middle of a pandemic last year. This is the value of hearing the Lord in this, before you enter a season. I couldn't have predicted that. Uh, Joseph couldn't have predicted this drought, but God was wanting to speak. And so this is why we share this word. The last service, I, at the end of the sermon, I said, man, I, said I didn't really smile a lot this sermon, sermon did I? And, and uh, some people nodded their head. Yeah, he didn't. This is a really important sermon because this is a word. If you go to Kingdom Church, if this is your home, this is for you. This is the word for you. And I believe that um, God is going to do some, some, some things. So at the beginning of the year, I was praying and I felt like the Lord gave me this word. There wasn't a lot of context to it, but he gave me this word. 
when we started the fast, the first few days of the fast, I really felt, and many of y'all were here, I feel like the Lord said, you're going to enter into a promised land season this year. And I thought, promised land. Okay, every, every pros, uh, prosperity preacher preaches, this is your year, this is your year for increase. And I'm like, Lord. But I felt a confidence and conviction because of what happened last year. You, I, you, couldn't, you couldn't have planned that last year. I said, all right, Lord, this is what you're saying. So uh, we, we, continued, uh, we continued walking, and, and, and um, again, we went through the vision because we need to remember what we're called to so that we can remember how to go, how we're supposed to go. We're going to enter a promised land season. Also, last week, I think this is another reason why I was supposed to share it this morning, is because last week I was listening to a sermon from this guy who started a church around the same time that we did, and his story is very similar to ours. They are growing faster, but some of the things that God promised them are very similar. For example, he said that one month God told him he was going to give the church the building. They're meeting in a big school that they're giving, that they're meeting in, a $25 million building. Two months later, one of the elders calls him and says, hey, you need to begin really praying and fasting about this building. 90 days later, the building was theirs. $25 million building. Again, this is hearing God's voice. This is the value of hearing his voice. I'm not going to share all those things, but God has prom- promised, I know God has promised kingdom some, of the, some things to that magnitude. I really believe it. And, it's, and based on the, 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 uh, the trajectory that we're going, it is going to happen. I, as I listened to the sermon, as I was reminded of what God had spoken to us, to me and to, to us, when God speaks to me, he's speaking to us, this is for us, what God has spoken to us and to hold on to it in faith and not to give up. The word for the year in 2021 is purity. This is the word for the year. I said, okay, purity. Okay, that's good. Always good to be pure. I'm going to show you as we go on how purity fits in with us entering into a promised land season. So I want us to pray and just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us as we just keep going. So Father, I thank you so much for my family and friends who are here. I pray that they would, as they are listening, that they are encouraged by what you are saying. I'm just your vessel. I'm just a mouthpiece. But they would be encouraged by what you want to communicate to them. That they would know the things that they have been praying for and believing for they are going to get this year. And Father, but even if it doesn't come the way we want or in the time we want, we say we're still going to serve you. We will still not be wavered. We're still going to love you. We're going to do everything that you want us to do. So, Father, we just invite you into this place. All those burdens that we brought in this morning that are trying to distract us, we're going to lay it to the side and we're going to take hold of everything that you want for us. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we get going, I want to define the word purity so that we have a good idea of what God is asking of us. So these definitions will be on the screen. First couple definitions are this. Purity is freedom from adulteration or contamination. Freedom from immorality, especially of a sexual nature. Before we go, I want to point out something. Purity is freedom. You may think, well, God is just trying to keep me away from things that I want. He wants me to talk a certain way, live a certain way. He's keeping me. The enemy tries to lie to us to think, that we're in bondage by living purely. It's the very opposite. When you walk purely before the Lord, you're actually walking in freedom. We're going to find out why. 
Now, I want you to look at the first definition again, freedom from adulteration or contamination. We all know what contaminate means, to contaminate something. But how many of y'all have heard of the word adulterate? This is the definition of adulterate. To add another substance, usually something inferior. So I gave, the, I, gave this, I gave this silly analogy earlier, but imagine you have this bowl of soup and it's like mama's recipe, grandma's recipe, whoever's recipe, it's like the best bowl of soup you've ever had. And then somebody comes along and convinces you, I don't know how to convince you, to add a different ingredient that you know isn't part of the original recipe, but you add it. And then you taste it and it's not the same. What did you do to that bowl of soup? You, adulter- you contaminated it, but you adulterated it because you added an ingredient that is inferior to the perfect recipe that is grandma's recipe, right? That is the definition of adulterate. So it's freedom from this. Purity is freedom from contamination or or making something less than. The word adultery, we all know that word, comes from the same root word as adulterate. What is adultery? It is cheating on your spouse. If you're married, it's cheating on your husband or your wife. What is adultery? Why do we commit adultery? Because we believe that our marriage is not good. I'm not happy. So I need to explore other options so that I'm happy. It's actually a lie because the truth is when you commit adultery, you bring something that is less than into your marriage. And I don't have to spend a lot of time telling you the consequences of adultery in marriage. Many people are not married anymore because of adultery and, and kids are in broken families and broken homes. But in that moment, we believe the lie, that it's better than. But actually, when we commit this, we bring something that is less than into our relationship. Look at some of these other definitions of, adult, of purity. The condition or quality of being pure, freedom from anything that debases, contaminates, or pollutes. And I like this last one. The state of not being mixed with anything else. That's purity. I'm not going to mix myself with something that I should not mix with. Look at James 4, verse 6. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. James 4, verse 6. I'm going to read like four verses. It says this, talking about Jesus, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is another sermon. But if you want grace in your life, you need to learn to be humble. One time I was dealing with a situation where I had to confront somebody and I, a pastor friend of mine brought this verse to me. He said, you need to pay attention to how humble he is. You need to tell, tell this person, the degree to which you are humble is the degree that you will get grace. If you're not gonna be open and honest with me and with the Lord, then you're not gonna get grace. But if you want all of God's grace for your life, you need to walk humbly. So that's his, this is what this verse means. He gives grace to the humble, those who are surrendered to him. Verse seven, submit yourselves therefore to God, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Important, another important point, the devil will not leave you until you surrender to the Lord. Some of us are trying to fight the devil without surrendering to God and God is saying, I, can't, I cannot and will not fight for you until you give your heart to me because you're just gonna leave me again after I perform this miracle for you. Does that make sense? Submit to God first and then the devil will run. Look at verse eight. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He says, purify your hearts. You're double-minded. You're, you, you don't realize it, but you're a sinner. It's time to purify the inside. And look at verse 9. I never understood this verse until I was kind of going, going, uh, going through this message. But it says, be wretched and mourn and weep. 
let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. I was like, why would God ask somebody to, why would uh, God instruct James to put this in the Bible? It's because he says, you're double-minded on the outside. You go to church and everything is fine and you're dropping your tithes in the offering and you're raising your hands. But on the inside, you're impure. He says, let the outside represent the inside and be real. Change, change everything. Just don't change the outside. Change the inside. Let your laughter return to mourning and your joy to gloom. Verse 10, again, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. The Bible is very clear. God asks us to live and walk purely. Couple reasons. First one, one of the reasons, he's not just asking us to just because he just was an up in heaven one day and said, hey, I think this is a good rule. Live purely. The first reason, the most important reason is this. We are to be pure because God is pure. God is not just our God, he's our father. He is saying, I want you to live purely because I want you to represent me well to other people. If you're living impurely, like I said about marriage, then you're painting a picture of who I am that is not true to everyone else and they're gonna leave me because of you. So I want you to live purely so you can represent me well. The second reason is he wants us to live purely so that we can enjoy all the blessings he has for us. Listen, look at this statement. When we walk purely, we separate ourselves from things in the world that mix with us and make us less than we were created to be. We were created to be his son. We were created to be overcomers. But when we walk in impurity, we become less than what we, were, what we were created to be. Now, there are many impure things. We're going to talk about some of them today. Friends, habits, thinking. I want you, as I'm talking, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart. Even you can say to, uh, in, in, your, in your mind, Lord, what is impure in me? Are there some friends? Is there a certain way of joking, a certain way of talking, a certain way of thinking? What, in, what is impure in me? What do you want to highlight so that I can walk purely before you? You know why Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden? And I said this the first service, I feel like Adam and Eve have just been coming like in every sermon and it's, it's something different every time. They were kicked out of the garden because they disobeyed God and therefore they sinned, right? They sinned. They were created, listen to this, they were created perfectly, perfectly. They were created to live forever. This is why Adam and Eve and their original descendants lived to be hundreds and almost a thousand years old because they were created to live that long. But what happened? And they were created perfectly and they were put in a perfect place. What was that perfect place? The Garden of Eden was a perfect place. But what happened? They disobeyed God and they invited something that, is, that was less than into their lives. Sin. Impurity. And so what did God say? God said, I love you, Adam. I love you, Eve. But the Garden of Eden is reserved for pure things. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to clothe you. I'm still going to give you kids, but I cannot give you what you were created to inherit because you invited sin, something that is impure, into your life. So I have to ask you to leave. And he did ask him to leave. And the Bible says he put, um, um, put angels at the, at the entrances of the garden so that the angels with uh, swords of flaming fire so that they wouldn't come in. It made them less than Listen carefully, impurity will take God's blessings away from you. It took the garden away from them. It took immortality away from them. This is one of the reasons we live purely. 
Now turn to Exodus 32 real quick. Exodus 32 and verse 26. There's a story in the Old Testament, many of y'all know this, of Moses and the Ten Commandments and the golden calf. Golden calf, the Bible says. How many of y'all remember that story? Moses is on the mountaintop receiving the, uh, the Ten Commandments. He's gone for 40 days. Well, the people get tired of waiting on Moses, so they tell Aaron, his brother, hey, make a cow for us. We don't know what happened to, we don't, I don't know why they made a cow. Uh, there's probably a Jewish biblical reason. Maybe somebody can help me with that later. But they, they made this cow and said, let's worship this cow. We'll just worship this cow because we don't know what happened to Moses. We'll just say, this, is, this cow is the one who brought us out of Egypt. Moses hears, a, at the end of the 40 days, Moses hears a party is going on. He goes down the, goes down the mountain and sells Aaron. Aaron, what happened? I'm gone for 40 days, getting receiving the law, and you're partying. You're, being, you're um, fornicating. You're being adulterous. You're getting drunk. What's happening? He said, the people made me make this thing. They said, he, this is kind of funny. Aaron actually said, they said, they gave me their jewelry. I threw all this gold into the furnace and out came this cow. I mean, like, how dumb is that? He said, that's what he said. I mean, this is how, this is how your kids, you ever caught, your kids ever been so caught they come up with something stupid like that? That's how caught they were. This is how probably scared Aaron was. He said, I threw it in and out came this cow. This is what Moses responded with. Look at verse 26. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said this. He addresses all the children of Israel. Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him and he said to them, this is what the Lord says. Levites, put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp. He says, go everywhere. Go to every house, go to every gate. And each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about 3,000 men of the people fell. And Moses said, today you Levites have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his son and of his brother, so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. Okay, what happened? At the end of this whole, this whole ordeal, God says, Israel, uh, Levites, I'm giving you the special privilege of being close to me. I'm going to let you come into my tabernacle. I'm going to let you speak to me face to face. How did this happen? Number one, they separated themselves from everything that is impure. They say, hey, we weren't the ones drinking and, and cussing and sleeping around and doing all these things that God didn't want us to do. We're on God's side. They separated themselves from the, the pure from the impure. And then what else did they do? They killed their brothers and their sisters. Now, some of us may think that is a tough thing. How could God call them to kill their own flesh and blood or separate themselves and then kill some of them? 3,000 died. It's because of this. If the Levites did not kill what was impure, the impure would have eventually got to them and then they would have been lost. You see, some death had to occur at some point. It was going to either occur when they chose to take a hard stance between them and the impurity or death was going to happen when it came to them. This is why God is very serious about dealing with impurity because impurity will take God's blessings away from us. It'll take us away from the promised land that God wants us to enter into. Anything impure in your life, if undealt with, will eventually contaminate the rest of your life. Now, what is impure? 
What is impure? Okay, I know there's, I already listed a couple of things. Look at Hebrews 12 verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge, cro- huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight, remember that word, that slows us down, especially the sin, another word to remember, that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There are two things that make us impure. Number one is sin. Uh, to, we know what sin is. You, and especially if you've been struggling with the sin, you, you know what it is. Um, adultery, stealing, murder, these, these things. And, and the, I can go in further. But So that's, the, that's one way we are impure. I would encourage you to ask the Lord, Lord, what is there in my heart, in my life that is sin, that I know is sin that I'm dealing with? And I, wanna, I also want, want to encourage you, purity is not not sinning. I need you to listen to this. Purity is not not sinning, meaning purity is not the absence of sin because there's still things in my life that I deal with. How many of y'all have things in your life that you're still dealing with and wrestling with? Purity comes from the heart. It's saying, I'm tired of dealing with this. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to confess my sin. I'm going to get the help that I'm going to do whatever it takes until this is out of my life. That's what purity is. I know the enemy used to really condemn me because I I was dealing with some things. And he said, you're a pastor's kid. You're a youth pastor. You shouldn't be dealing with this. And finally, the Lord said, you're not pure by your actions. You're pure by your heart. I I remember one time the Lord told me, he said, Josh, do you think that if you really want to be free from something, that you will eventually be free? I said, yeah. It's just like anything else. If we really want to do something, somebody that really wants to lose weight, someone that really wants to learn another language, someone that really wants to build a business, if they really want to do it, guess eventually what they're going to do? They're going to do it. He says, you keep going down that road and eventually you will be free. But right now you need to know that you have a pure heart. You have a righteous heart before me. I need you to trust that. Continue to walk down that road, but know that you're pure. So I just wanted to throw that in because I know some of us may be feeling condemned. Like, man, I'm not good enough. I'm... No, purity is from the heart. You have to just make a decision today. I'm going to walk pure. I'm going to do my best to do to whatever God wants. So, was, so what sin are you dealing with in your life? Let's get real with the Lord about it. Number two is weight. So in, this, in Hebrews 12, verse 1, he talks about sin and weight. Now, what is weight? Weight can be sin, but it's not always sin. The weights he are talk, that he is talking about is anything that distracts us from who we are created to be and what God has for us. Can be sin, but not necessarily. So what are some weights? Again, I could spend the rest of the morning, the rest of, not morning anymore, the rest of the day talking about this. But I really felt led to list a couple big weights. Um, number one is social media. And number two is online streaming services. These two things, think about this, are not just captivating our generation, it is taking captive our generation. You know, when we get to heaven, um, it's not going to matter how much you stayed up to date with everyone's life on social media. It's not going to matter what shows you watch. Those things are literally worthless things. They have no worth. They just satisfy us in the moment. They, they are a, a momentary satisfaction. That's all they're good for. That's all they're good for. God's not going to get to he- You're not going to get to heaven one day. God say, hey, tell me about that show. If you can tell me what happened at the end of season two in episode six, then I'm going to let you in. 
No. They're worthless things. Now, am I saying it's bad to watch this? Some of it is bad. I mean, it's impure. But it's not, it's not, an, it's, we have to, we have to ask the Lord, Lord, what am I allowing these things to weigh me down to the point where it's stealing all the blessings that you have for me? There are some people that get to heaven that when they get to heaven, they're going to realize they did not live out the life completely that God had for them. I heard this, I don't know if I heard this taught one time, but you know the Bible says God's going to wipe away every tear from their people's eyes, right? I think they're going to be tears in people's eyes because they realize they didn't fulfill completely what God had for them. I don't know about you, I don't want to be that person. I want to fulfill everything that God has for me. So those are some of the weights. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. You say, this is Paul, he's telling, he's, he's telling the people, hey, you say this to me, I'm allowed to do anything. But not everything is good for you, church. You say, I'm allowed to do anything. But not everything is beneficial. Not everything builds up. So let's take inventory of these weights and put them to the side. Now, how can we stay pure? Two, two main ways. Going to the Lord in his word and going to the Lord in prayer. Basically, this is what it looks like practically. This is what it looks like. As you're reading the Bible, saying, Lord, I don't, I'm about to read this, this chapter. Would you reveal to me anything in my life that is impure, anything that I need to deal with as I'm reading? And as I'm reading it, would you wash me? What's going to happen is as you're reading, the Lord's going to bring, he's going to point, hey, you're dealing with this. Hey, you didn't, realize, you didn't realize it, but this is something that has been in your life for a long time. When you're reading that in the moment, you say, Lord, please forgive me and help me to walk purely in this area, whatever it is. You have to be intentional. It's not just going to happen. Somebody who is in med school or who wants to go to med school doesn't just show up to the first day of class and say, hey, I'm here for med school. And And they say, well, what did you, we don't see you on the list. You didn't pay for anything. Think about that. You didn't, pay, you didn't pay the price. You didn't sacrifice anything. And how, you think we're just going to be in med school? You think we're just going to give you a diploma? You have to be intentional. And so I want to encourage you. This is the, the word of the year. It's purity. It's purity. If you want to enter into the promised land, church, you have to be intentional about this. Be intentional. Look, a couple of verses. Psalm 119, verse 9. The Lord really helped me when I was, when I was um, younger. I'm still... The, when I was younger with this verse, it says, how can a young man keep his way pure? I was going to say, I'm still young. But how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We store up his word in our heart so that we don't sin. Psalm 51 verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Psalm 139, Listen to, listen to how uh, David writes this psalm. Search me, O God. Search me. I'm, I'm an open book. Would you search every secret and hidden place in my heart and see if there's anything grievous in me, anything wrong, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the attitude that we have to, if we're going to be pure, we have to daily, Lord, what is impure in me? Wash me clean. You know, the Bible says when we read the Bible, that he washes us with the word. He uses the word wash because we have to be washed every day. That's why it's important to me that we, we pray in the morning and we seek him so that he can cleanse us 
of everything that would want to get us off on the wrong foot that day. So whenever, um, whenever we, we started our fast and I felt like the Lord was asking us to enter into a promised land season, I obviously I thought of the Israelites going into the promised land, right? And then I thought of Joshua, Joshua chapter one. Some of y'all, most of, some of y'all know this, but when God called us to start kingdom, he spoke the chapter Joshua one to us. In three days, five different people spoke Joshua one to me when we started. And I can tell that story again later. So I thought Joshua and I thought, okay, Lord, what about, what about the story of going into the promised land? Do we need to hear so that it can prepare us to go in? Well, as I kept studying, the Lord took me to Deuteronomy. And I was like, Deuteronomy, okay, they're not in the promised land in Deuteronomy. So the Lord said, no, but they're preparing for it. Quick history lesson. When God rescued the Israelites out of Egypt, remember part of the Red Sea they went through, he intended for them to go straight to the promised land. Straight. It took, I think it was like a 19-day journey or even might have been sooner. He intended for them to go straight to the promised land. What happened though? They got to the promised land and they sent out the, the 12 spies. Two brought back a good report and said, yes, it's, 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 a great, it's a great piece of real estate. There are giants, but we can take them. God is with us. Don't you remember? He's part of the Red Sea. Ten brought back a bad report and said, no, they're too big. The giants are too big. They can't do it. Because of that, this, because of that report, they, the, the children of Israel believed the ten spies instead of the two. And they had to wander around the wilderness for 40 years. God said, I'm not going to allow any of these people to see what I promised them. Because after everything I've done for them in this, in this desert, they still don't believe me. The Bible says everyone 20 years and older had to die. So fast forward 40 years, their children are coming up. Some of them might have remembered the promises. Most of them didn't. In Deuteronomy, at the end of Numbers in Deuteronomy, Moses is retelling the law. I, didn't, I said this earlier in the first service. In Exodus, he tells the law to the parents. Exodus and Leviticus. And then in Numbers, they go, to the, they go to, uh, to the edge of the promised land, but they don't believe it, so they have to go back into the wilderness and die. The end of Numbers in Deuteronomy, God is telling the children the law again. So when you read, the old te- when you read those first five books, there's like some similar laws is because he's telling the children the second time. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? So in Deuteronomy, one, chapters 1 through 30... Moses spends a whole lot of time trying to encourage them to hold on to these laws, hold on to these commandments. He even says, remember what your parents did. They didn't believe me. Don't make the same mistake that your parents made. I could say that to everyone in here. Don't make the same mistake your parents made. Don't make the same mistakes. He painstakingly recounts the law again. And then in, listen, in chapter 31... He commissions Joshua. He says, hey, you're going you're gonna to go. You're going to take the people into the promised land. And then he tells Moses something. There's a reason I said, I said I took the time to go through the history and to tell you that Moses spent 30 chapters because of what he said. Look at um, this verse on the screen, Deuteronomy 31. And the Lord said to Moses, this, is, this part of the Bible amazes me. It says, behold, Moses, you're about to lie down with your fathers. What does that mean? You're about to die. Then this people will rise and whore after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering, and they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. 
Can you imagine being Moses? You had just spent however long it took to recount the whole law, encourage them, and then God says, oh, they're going to they're gonna disobey me anyways. They're going to they're gonna forsake me. They're not going to listen to you either. The parents didn't listen to you, and, not, and the kids are not going to listen to you. If I were Moses, I'd have been like, really? You couldn't have told me that before? I might have left out a few things because it doesn't even really matter at the end of the day. They're, they're going to do what they want. And as I was preparing, I felt like the Lord just reminded me. He said, Josh, I'm very merciful. I have abundant in mercy, and I will take my time in giving people a chance. But if people refuse to surrender to me, when things go bad and evil comes upon them, they can't blame me because I've given them time after time and chance after chance to repent. And this is exactly what, and this is exactly what Moses did. Let's keep reading. Verse 17. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they will be devoured. And many evils and troubles will come upon them, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us, because our God is not with us. I never want to get to a place where I realize God is not with me anymore. 18, And I will surely hide my face in that day because of all the evil that they have done, because they have turned to other gods. Look at verse 20. For when I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, he said, after I've given them the promised land, which I swore to give their fathers, and they have eaten and are full and grown fat, they will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. Listen to this. God entered into a marriage covenant. Do you know marriage is not a contract? It's a covenant. God takes it very seriously. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. In, the, in this verse, he says, they're going to leave me and break the covenant that I made with them. You know what he's basically saying? They're going to cheat on me. They're going to bring something that is impure into the marriage. And what do we know about impurity? It takes away God's blessings from them. He says, when they, are, they have eaten of the land and grown fat, they will forsake me. Unfortunately, this is too many Christians. This has been me in my life. When God has answered a prayer uh, a, a prayer request that I prayed for years and years and, I, and a miracle has come along. I, have, I take advantage of it and I forget the Lord. Anybody been there before? This is, this is unfortunately human nature. This is why we have to fight against it and fight for purity. What ended up happening to the children of Israel? They went into the promised land. They took it, but they weren't able to stay there forever. Even though God sent kings, he sent prophets, he sent leaders, he sent, he sent all kinds of people they still refuse to serve the Lord. And after 600 years, God said, you got to go. This is a holy land. This is a pure land. And if you refuse to turn your heart to me, then you can't stay here. I'm going to have to kick you out of my land the way I kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden. Because you refuse to walk purely before the Lord. The next chapter, he says this. Verse 44 of chapter 32. Moses, uh, verse 45. And when Moses had finished speaking all these words, he said, take heart, everything that I'm saying to you by which I'm warning you today. He's warning you that you may command them to your children that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. Listen to this verse. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word, you shall live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to possess. He says, this is not an empty word. This is not, I'm not just saying this to you. If you are careful to pay attention to what I'm saying to you, to live purely before me, you will live long in the land that I'm promising to you. 
Church, we only get God's blessings when we live purely before him. In a way, I feel like Moses encouraging you, charging you, warning you. This is the year to enter into the promised land. It is. But here's the thing about prophetic words and what, what the Lord spoke to us um, about going into the, into, into the promised land is something that he spoke to us. Can't, there's not a verse in the Bible. Like the Lord spoke that to us and we believe that he's speaking. This is the thing about prophetic words. Just because God promises you something, listen carefully, this is for, this is for somebody. Just because God promises you something does not mean you will automatically get it. Just read the Bible. God wanted so many things for his people and he promised to them, but because they couldn't live purely before him, he's, it was never fulfilled to them. For example, God, when God uh, called us to start this church, I was in Hawaii, and I didn't know the church was in the horizon, but I remember I was in Hawaii, and the Lord told me to come back here. I was supposed to go to South America. I wanted to go to South America. I've been wanting to go for years and years, and the Lord said, I want you to go back to Odessa. If I had chosen to disobey that, we would not be here today. So I had to come in agreement with this prophetic word. The same way that you have to come in agreement with the prophetic words that God has given you. It's not just going to be given to you. There are going to be some people at the end of this year that you're going to see God's promises fulfilled to you because you're taking this word seriously. But there will be some people who do not take it seriously and the things that God has promised you are going to pass you by. This is the, I mean, this is the truth. I do want to encourage you that God's grace is for you. If there is ever a season to live purely before the Lord and to put aside the things that you know are wrong or that you know the things that are holding you back from walking with the Lord, this is the time. Caitlin said it during worship. This morning, um, I was getting ready. And honestly, since the storm, um, <laughs> I'm just going to call it the storm. Um, <laughs> Things have just felt weird, different. Anybody, and I know many of us have felt that, but I, I, the, way, the way I described it on, um, on Tuesday at our staff meeting was this. I feel like I'm living a different life. Even though everything's the same, it just feels different. And I thought, well, maybe once the snow goes away and the ice and all that, it'll be different. And so, you know, it went away yesterday and, 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 most, and Friday. And so I was like, okay, whatever. Well, I was getting ready this morning, and as I was putting my shoes on, I just felt like, like that, the other, this new other life just hit me. And I feel like the Lord said, I'm, I'm preparing you to enter into a new season. Church, we've never had a worship like we just had earlier. We've, that's never happened here, right? Would you agree? We haven't let the spirit move quite like that. And to me, the Lord was saying, I'm bringing you into a new season. But if you're going to not just enter into the season, but stay there, purity is the key. It's the key to opening that door and to staying, to staying in that place that God has for us. I'm really excited, and I believe that if we take this seriously, we're going to see God do some amazing things in our life.